All right, welcome back. Week six of Rhythms of Grace. Hope your time with us uh, so far has been beneficial. Um, as always, if this content is helpful for you, please like, comment, share, because um, that lets us know that it's helpful to you uh, and that it also allows us to spread this content more effectively to be helpful um, to others. And uh, when we initially laid this out several weeks ago, we were planning to go for about 10 weeks because um, uh, of just not knowing how long we would be online as a church family. But uh, over the last couple of weeks, we have begun sharing our plan to begin regathering in person. So uh, we're actually gonna cut this a little bit short. And um, the last few weeks of content we were gonna cover with uh, rhythms like fellowship, uh, leadership, discipleship, evangelism, um, those are actually gonna be covered in a message series that our church family is going to do during the month of August. So you could tune in a little bit later then. And most of the content that we would have covered here uh, is going to be covered there. So uh, up to this point, we have looked at the rhythms of resting in Jesus, of uh, praying, of reading God's word, of fasting, of giving, of worship. And today we're gonna be looking at the rhythms of solitude and silence. Uh, we begin this series, began this series a few weeks back uh, with this emphasis on resting in Jesus. That was his invitation. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And there is no greater evidence of a soul that is well rested in Jesus than one that is content to be alone and to be silent with Jesus. Don Whitney has written in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. Think of the spiritual disciplines as ways we can place ourselves in the path of God's grace and seek him as Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus placed themselves in Jesus' path and sought him. We've tried to emphasize the last several weeks that these, these disciplines are not the goal. God is the goal. What these rhythms are, what these disciplines are, 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 are it's us placing ourselves in a path on a daily consistent basis where we can be receiving and, and be tuned into the grace of God uh, that's in our lives. But you and I live right now in this age of distraction. It's very, very difficult to disconnect and it's very, very difficult to fully be still. But our goal here is not just to participate in disciplines. Our goal is to know God. And if we want to know God, we have to learn what it means to be still. So we don't just want to be in disciplines, we want to know God. Not just asking, do we pray, but do we know the God we're praying to? Not just, do we come to worship, but do we stand in awe and fearful reverence of the God that we worship? Not just, do we know God's word, but do we know the God of the word, who himself is the word? That's where the rhythms of grace have to start. It's out of a deep conviction and belief in God's unconditional love for his children. If we are in Christ, that is our identity. So that's the primary driving force. And if we don't see that as the primary driving force, we're gonna end up defining ourselves in success or fail categories. Either we're keeping up with the list or we're not. And that is not what Jesus has called us to. He's not called us to this work of begrudging labor. Uh, he's invited us into a relationship that's based on rest. Um, so uh, we're, we're in this place again, age of distraction. We're, we're constantly filling our minds with noise. Our world is polluted by it. Our minds are just working overdrive most of the time. And even within the church, we, we have to fight this urge to fill each space with uh, loud noise, with busyness, so that we don't get sucked into this vacuum of identity loss that's taking place in our culture today. And one of the greatest needs, I'm convinced, of the modern church is a desperate need to learn what it means to be still to pause and learn what it means to be still. If we're going to place ourselves in the path of God's grace, as Don Whitney said, we have to learn to be still before the Lord. His word exhorts us emphatically in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There's a direct correlation 
between our understanding of God and our ability to be still. So if we're gonna be a people who know God, we have to become a people who learn to be still. And so we're gonna see here briefly in Mark chapter one, a picture of Jesus, of one who had completely contented himself in the Father and was fully content to be still before the Father. This is read from Mark one, this is uh, verses 35 through 39. It says, rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he deserted, he, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So we see here of Jesus and what he models for us in Mark 1 is that Jesus models a disciplined sacrifice. If you look at the context of this passage in the few verses prior, it becomes abundantly clear that Jesus had had an extremely long day and night full of ministry, needs pressing in on him from all around. And in spite of all that, we see here in Mark 1 that in the morning, while it was still dark, he, he intentionally got up, he sacrificed sleep, and he went off to a desolate place so that he could be in prayer with his heavenly Father. That's what he models for us here in this passage. And you know, during this season, we've or during the series, we've opted to use this term rhythms instead of disciplines because discipline does have more of a negative connotation. But um, healthy discipline, I want to make sure we don't miss this, is still important and is very much a thoroughly biblical concept for us. Um, so, so there is a negative connotation that can go along with discipline, but uh, there's also a, a lot of positive that goes along with discipline. It's, it's after all, the, the root word of the word discipleship that we use as followers of Jesus. So one thing we have to acknowledge when it comes to the rhythms is that they do require some level of discipline. At some point in time, we're going to have to sacrifice and we're going to have to do hard things that are going to be inconvenient to intentionally put ourselves in the path uh, to be more tuned in to God's grace. Now, there's uh, so many powerful examples throughout the history of the church of faithful followers of Jesus who modeled this daily discipline of placing themselves in the Lord's path. Uh, Hudson Taylor was a 19th century uh, Christian missionary to China, and uh, he was uh, in, engaged in these back-breaking journeys. Uh, I mean, he often worked 19, 20 hours a day. He would walk long distances. He preached the gospel in difficult places, and oftentimes it was in the face of extraordinary danger and ongoing rejection. But I want you to listen to this account from his son Howard uh, years later about what his rhythms and his practices and his discipline looked like. He said, it was not easy for Mr. Taylor and his changeful life to make time for prayer and Bible study, but he knew that it was vital. We well do the writers remember traveling with him month after month in northern China by cart and wheelbarrow with the poorest of inns at night. Often with only one large room for coolies and travelers alike, they would screen off a corner up for their father and another for themselves with curtains of some sort, and then after sleep at last had brought a measure of quiet, they would hear a match struck and seek the flicker of candlelight, which told that Mr. Taylor, however weary, was pouring out over the little Bible in two volumes always at hand. From 2 to 4 a.m. was the time he usually gave to prayer, the time when he could be most sure of being undisturbed to wait upon God. That flicker of candlelight has meant more to them than all they have read or heard on secret prayer. It meant reality, not preaching, but practice. We see the same of George Mueller, who, who did just an incredible amount of work for the sake of the gospel and the kingdom and serving the poor and the vulnerable. So the, the first great and primary business, uh, Mueller said, which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. This is the cry of the psalmist in Psalm 90, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning 
with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. But again, you hear these accounts and I think it's important for us to acknowledge that this is not always going to come easily. We're not always gonna be well rested. We're not always necessarily going to feel like it. It's going to require some sacrificial discipline uh, if we're going to continually be putting ourselves uh, in the presence of the Lord. So um, I, I just worry, I know this is true in my own life, maybe this is true for you. I just worry sometimes as I, I talk with other followers of Jesus, we get inconsistent in being in the word, being in prayer, uh, just being alone before the Lord. I worry that many of us are waiting on an undistracted season of busyness that's not actually coming. Like we just think, well, if I can just get through the school year with the kids, if we can just get through this season, if we can just get through the holidays, if I can just get through my busy time at work. But as soon as we get through that season, we just find ourselves in another season, oftentimes even busier than we were in the season before. And, and I fear sometimes many of us are waiting for an undistracted season of, of busyness that's just not coming. It's not coming. And so the very best thing that we can do, whether even if it's only 5, 10, 15 minutes a day right now, is to commit that time to the Lord and to prioritize moments where we can disconnect from the busyness and chaos of our lives so that we can simply be still. I just wonder how much of our spiritual frustration is rooted in the fact that we simply struggle to be still and to know that He is God to pause and to recount his faithfulness. And what greater work could we devote ourselves to as followers of Jesus than at the beginning of each day and to, to just sit and rest in him as we renew our satisfaction for all that God is for us in Christ. If we know that these moments of intentional solitude and stillness before the Lord are so vital for our spiritual growth, how much will Satan prevent us, work to prevent us from experiencing those daily moments of experiencing God's grace? So as it was for Jesus, so it was for Hudson Taylor, so it's gonna be from us. These moments of solitude are gonna require a lot of intentionality and sacrifice and discipline, but by God's grace, we can become people who frequently disconnect in solitude with the Lord as our hearts continue to find their satisfaction in Christ. So Jesus models discipline sacrifice, and second, we see that Jesus models relational boundaries. I think this is extremely important for us to understand. It says he went off to a desolate place. He went off to a desolate place, and there were those who searched for him. So, so this was an intentional, concentrated effort by Jesus to be away from people. And, and sometimes, and if we got any sort of savior or messiah complex and feel like we always have to be somewhere, uh, the actual savior and messiah uh, felt like he didn't always have to be with people. He didn't always have to be somewhere. He disconnected and got to places where he could not be distracted, even with the demands of ministry pressing in on him. Jesus modeled these boundaries and he intentionally got away. So again, just think about this for a moment, just the context of this passage. Jesus spent the entire night before this healing. Uh, people are ready to come to him that day again. So there's sick people, there's people who need his healing, they need his touch. And the disciples say to him, everyone is looking for you. Jesus is fully capable of meeting every single one of those needs. So people who are sick, people who are demon-possessed, who are ready to hear his preaching, but where is he? He's fully present and focused with his heavenly Father. And he makes absolutely no apology for where he is. Disciples come and there's nothing that's, hey, sorry guys, I lost track of time, I'm on my way, just tell everybody I'm, you know, I'll be there in, in just a second. There's absolutely no apology he makes for being fully present with his heavenly Father. And this is what Jesus models for us here. In order to be fully present with the Father, there have to be times where we are completely absent from others. We have to be able to disconnect. Notice the word moments. We're not talking about um, you know, a, a life where you move like to a monastery and you completely disconnect from society and humanity because I don't think that's what the Lord intends either. 
but we see modeled by Jesus. If he, need, if he, he wanted this and he desired this in his life, then, then certainly we need in our lives these moments where we can disconnect uh, from the demand of our lives so that we can be fully present with our Heavenly Father. You know, this is, I think, maybe one of our greatest strugglers, struggles and one of the greatest revealers of, of just how not satisfied in Jesus we can tend to be as a people is whether or not we can fully remove ourselves from others. Can we fully remove ourselves from demands? Can we fully remove ourselves from needs? Can we be content with silence? Without a phone, without a screen, without a person, can we be content with the silence of being in the presence of our Heavenly Father? This is a lot of our struggle in our age of distraction is that our need for solitude is no longer physical, it's also digital. That there's moments where we're alone where we're never actually truly fully alone because we're always wired in, we're always connected to, to something. And so just think about this, how, how many of us sleep with our phones immediately accessible to us by our beds? For, for how many of us like me, like the, your, your phone is the very first thing you, you pick up when you wake up in the morning and, and you check. And, and so even when we're alone, oftentimes we're still connected. So if we are always accessible, if we are always able to peer into the lives of others, if we are always exposing ourselves to comparison, always allowing our minds to be occupied, this can be absolutely detrimental to our spiritual health because we never have moments where we're disconnected to be fully present with our Heavenly Father. And they reveal, all of this reveals, our inability to be still, our deepest problem is that we're not secure in our true identity in Christ, so we seek it from somewhere else. So, you know, I, I know many of us, you, you listen to this today, and, and you know, even the mere mention of, of things like solitude and, and silence, that these can be anxiety-inducing for us, because we just don't know how to do it but we don't know how to not be around others. We don't know how to not be without our phone. We don't know how to just sit and just to be quiet for just two, three, four, five minutes. And, and so that this can create a lot of fear within many of us of like, what does this even begin to look like? Well, you know, what we see from uh, the psalmist in, in Psalm 62, he says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So when you look at the ministry of Jesus and how he fleshed that out, he lived that practically. Jesus um, had moments where he was disconnected and he was in solitude, uh, away from the demands of others, but we have to keep in mind the understanding that Jesus was never truly alone. He was with his heavenly Father and we need those moments of healthy silence from others so that we can be fully present with our heavenly Father. It's for God alone my soul waits in silence. That's what we see Jesus doing here in Mark 1. And because of this, he says, he is my rock, my salvation, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. We see this, this silence and this solitude, these moments alone with the Father. This is what carries and sustains Jesus uh, throughout all of his earthly ministry. So we don't seek out silence and solitude simply to be alone. It's to be reminded of who God is and what he's given us in Jesus Christ and to know that we are never alone. That we're, we're not alone regardless of how alone we might feel, that we are fully present with the Heavenly Father who is fully present within us uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus uh, models uh, discipline, sacrifice, relational boundaries. We also see Jesus modeling missional focus. This is really important in verses 38 and 39. It says there's, there's a lot of needs. Needs are pressing in on him. People have been looking for him. They come to him. And what happens next? Jesus says in verse 38, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. Pay attention to what happens here. Jesus said no. There were needs right in front of him. There were people who needed to be healed and Jesus moved on. There was only one person who dictated his schedule every single day and that was his heavenly father. Is by being content in his presence, getting his marching orders from the father for that particular day, 
Jesus had an itinerant ministry where he traveled and went from place to place, and he wasn't going to let anything distract him from the ministry that had been given to him by his father. And so, listen, you know, people are coming to him in mass. They've been searching for him all morning. Do you think Jesus upset some people when he didn't stay present to meet all the needs of that day? Like, absolutely. There had to be some people who were disappointed. They're looking for him. They're searching. They have needs. He has the power to heal. And yet, Jesus moves on. Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. So why would he do this? Why would Jesus do this? Well, you know, these people come to be healed of their temporal, physical sickness, but Jesus had ultimately come to heal them of their spiritual, eternal sickness. That was the primary reason why he had come. And so he's moving on to the next town because that's his mission, is to preach the message of the gospel of the kingdom. And so having these dedicated moments of undistracted, uninterrupted communion with his heavenly Father kept him focused on the mission that he had been given. Jesus lived a life totally satisfied in God, so that our hearts could be totally satisfied by God. That's what he's made possible for you and I. So as we, we saw this last week as we were looking at the rhythm of worship in those moments on the cross where Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in that moment that Jesus experienced the, the emptiness of the Father's silence so that you and I could experience the fullness of knowing the Father's presence. So practically, how can we develop these moments of stillness uh, in silence before the Lord. Well, just you know, just ask yourself. Again, start small. Don't think about necessarily trying to disconnect for a month or, or even for a week or even for a whole, whole day. Just start asking, man, how can I dedicate five to ten minutes of my day just in still, quiet silence before the Lord? This is something a friend challenged me with a few years ago. He was asking me uh, as a mentor of mine, you know, what my daily devotional rhythm looked like, and I talked about you know, a Bible reading plan that I did, and a devotional book that I did, and a couple of books that I was reading at the time, and some journaling I was doing. And so he listened to me give my list, and he said, he just said, Taylor, when, when are you just still? And I was like, well, I mean, you know, like, my, he was like, no, I mean, like, when are you, just no activity, you're just quiet, and you're just still. And I was like, man, I, I don't really have that. And so he had, had challenged me, and what I've tried to develop in my life the last several years is when I get up first thing in the morning, you know, I make the cup of coffee, and then I sit down on the couch, and I just... For about five minutes, I just try to sit, just trying to, to wake up a little bit and just trying to, to tune in to what the Lord wants to show me that day uh, in his word. And man, this five minutes have been so incredibly helpful. And then uh, as you develop that, you'll, you'll start to really gain a taste for it. You'll start to love it and to uh, anticipate it, want more of it. And so five minutes can become 30 minutes and then eventually 30 minutes might become a half day and then a half day might become a whole day. And then a whole day might become a, a, a personal retreat, two or three days. And and so the bottom line is, is start small somewhere, but we need moments of undistracted silence, uninterrupted silence before the Lord uh, so that we can be fully focused on Him. Again, just practically, I think it's really helpful. I'm to the place now, I just I generally don't bring my phone with me uh, into my devotional time. I try to leave it somewhere where I'm not just going to randomly pick it up. Because uh, even when it's well-intentioned, if I'm going to check a, a Bible reading plan or I've got a, a scripture memory app, then suddenly a notification pops up and a message pops up, and then suddenly I check an email, and suddenly I'm doing work for the day. And uh, it's just too easy for me. I just, I just don't have the discipline uh, to have that with me. And so I, I like to just stay disconnected from it so that I can stay fully focused on where it's at. Just incorporate some of this into your lives uh, so that you can establish the daily practice of experiencing some silence before the Lord. So uh, this is what I want to challenge you to do in the week ahead. Take uh, 10 minutes, one day, some, sometime this week, and I want you to go to this passage in Psalm 62. For God alone, O my soul, uh, wait in silence. From him comes my salvation. He's my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. So this is what I want you to do for 10 minutes is to take the first five minutes just being quiet and being still. 
and just clearing your mind and, and clearing your thoughts and just tuning in to what the Lord has for you uh, in his word. And then open up your Bible to this passage in Psalm 62, verses 1 through 2. And I just want you to pray it uh, one line at a time, a few words at a time, and then allow for there to be a, a pause. So just pray those words, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. And then just pause. Just sit in silence as, as you pray those words. And then uh, from him comes my salvation. And then a pause, 15, 20, 30 seconds. He alone is my rock and salvation. Then pause, my fortress, I shall not be greatly shaken. Then pause. And then once again, uh, take a couple of moments to to focus your breathing, once again, to clear your mind as you complete this uh, and as you meditate on those words. To so start with five to ten minutes a day, uh, but to have a soul that is well rested in Jesus, we need the discipline to be still and know that he is God. So I want to ask you today as we, we close this out, is it possible that your fear of pursuing moments of silence and, silence and solitude with God stem from the fact that you have lost a little bit of your sense of identity? That, that you've been surrounded by the world's noise and you've not been able to hear the voice of your Father through this word. Today, I believe the Lord's calling you to a moment of silence that you can be reminded through his word that because of Christ, uh, you are totally, completely, and irrevocably his. So I hope this uh, content has been helpful for you the last several weeks. We're planning uh, more things like this, uh, potentially into the fall or into 2021. Hope this has uh, helped carry you a little bit through uh, being stuck inside the last um, couple of months. But again, uh, we're going to follow up with, with a few more of these in a message series we'll do during the month of August. Um, but we love you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Take care. Have a good day.